Hi, this is Kylie, and you're listening to episode 27 of Fix Her Up. If this is your first time checking me out, I thank the universe and you for being here. If you've listened to other episodes and want to check out more, I thank you and the universe for being here. So, as I alluded to in other episodes, the universe is really putting me through it lately. Like I'm going on month three over here, and I'm still not done rebuilding my place. However, with me being me, and with anything that takes a little while to get through, I'm trying to look at it and figure out some more stuff, like kind of look at stuff at a deeper level. So I really think the universe is delineating my healing process after my divorce. I think that the stuff that I did in the first two years, like getting rid of some of the things that I found that were his, more what he actually left behind, and then the painting and the changing out some of the lights and switching up the pictures on the walls and stuff like that. All of those things were really surface things. It was kind of like the first wave of dealing with my loss. Very first floor, which it made sense that that's where I would start because my home is where I spent most of my time, especially in 2021, right? Like, isn't it where we, we all spent most of our time? It's still where I spend most of my time. Please don't get me wrong. All of those changes were very healing for me. Like it was helpful on my journey and I'm so glad I did those things and I made those changes. I mean, I'm still keeping those exact same colors this time around. I didn't have the colors on my walls very long. I want them on my walls, but this time the painting will just be cleaner, which I will greatly appreciate when it is done. But this is where it gets interesting, like to me at least. The universe has now shown me the second wave of my dealing and my healing. As I mentioned in the New Year's episode with Beth, the floods forced me to look at things that I previously put away and then totally forgot about. Like actually, before I even had to look at that stuff, even the furniture that got rained on for hours and that I tossed, those were both things that he left behind when he moved out. He got the newer stuff from the house and I simply kept the older stuff, which kind of doesn't make sense to me because the older stuff was his stuff. Anyways, and the main closet that got rained on was mostly a catch-all closet. So it makes sense that I hadn't looked at it or the stuff in there for a while. It also makes sense because I did have stuff that I wasn't ready and willing and able to look at like right when he moved out. Everybody probably has that stuff, you know, from their wedding and their marriage and stuff. And I, I simply kind of just put that stuff away till later. And some of those things that I looked at, as I mentioned in the episode with Beth, were the wedding cards. Like it was the first things that I found that I needed to look at again and decide how to address. But I think I did them justice this time though, because I read them and then I threw them out. Like a couple had pictures in it that I kept, you know, had I dealt with that a couple years ago, right after he left, I probably wouldn't have been pissed or I would have been sad. Knowing me, I probably would have been more pissed. <laughs> But had I done it then, I don't think I would have seen the beauty behind the cards or like the love that the card givers were trying to pass on to my ex and myself, you know, like the energy behind it. But I think because I've done some of the healing work already, I can again see the loveliness of what they are, right? And I say are versus were because the words don't change just because I got divorced. They remain lovely sentiments. At least I, th I think they do. Anyways, the next things that I had to look at again were actual wedding pictures. And I don't mean the flash drive, like with all the pictures on it. I mean the ones that we 
blew up and we put it into frames and we had all over our apartments. All of those were taken off the walls. Like as I walked past them, I would just like go, oh, I don't need this one here. And I would pick it up and I would just keep walking. <laughs> and they all ended up in this drawer in my bed. But it was a drawer that wasn't easy to get to because it was blocked by a nightstand. So I could put it in there and not think about it, right? Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't see it again. Well, the mitigation company came. So I had to take my bed apart and I had to go and take everything out of all of the drawers. I put a lot of the pictures into storage. You know, I, th I threw some of them out, but I'm, I'm not going to lie. I didn't throw all of them out. Like the ones with me and my friends and my family, those pictures that didn't have him in them, I kept those. And then I actually kept like a couple of the larger ones that were like his family with me or my family with him. I kept those too. And I don't know, like it's not a bad picture of us. It's, it's not a bad picture of everybody else. And it's hard getting people together. You know? Am I making excuses if I'm being totally corny? I don't even know. I don't know. Like, it's a, if it's a good picture of everybody else. Is that weird? Like, should I not have kept it? Would you guys have kept it? I don't know. Should I give those to him, like with his family? I don't, I mean, I don't even think he would want those really. I mean, if somebody gave them to me, I don't know if I'd want those. I don't know. I think I'm just convincing myself right now to get rid of them. I don't know. I guess if I wanted to blow them up later, I have the flash drive somewhere. <laughs> I have no idea where that is though. Anyways, but just like the cards, like seeing the pictures now, it, it didn't make me all sad and weepy. Like it, it, it doesn't really even make me nostalgic. Like, I mean, okay, maybe a little nostalgic because the ones with my friends, I was like, oh, look how cute we looked and how much fun we had. And all of us haven't been back together since then or whatever. So I guess that's kind of nostalgic. Yeah. Anyways, so. Along the lines of going deeper into dealing with my stuff, the universe really took it up a notch. It's one thing to watch something happen and try to react to it in that moment. And it's a very different thing to look at something after the fact and, and try to see it on like this grander scale. While they were ripping stuff out, I asked them to show me what they were finding. Like I was kind of fascinated by it. I, like, I wanted to watch it or something. Kind of like I want to watch surgery or something like that. Like I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. I specifically specifically wanted to see what was underneath the floors and behind the walls and the baseboards. Like I was, I was looking for mold, honestly, you know, and let me tell you, there was mold and they showed me and then I wanted to puke. Like Seriously, I was disgusted by it. I was like, you know, like I was incredulous to the fact that I had been living in this space while there was mold on my walls. Like it was kind of like a partially healed flesh wound, but it had something festering and nasty underneath. Like I have older brothers and and, and I'm not afraid to get dirty. I'm not afraid of seeing gross things, but it totally grossed me out. It was so gross. And I remember I just, I picked up Gita and I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like I apologized to the cat. <laughs> Here I am. I'm supposed to be her mommy and I'm supposed to take care of her. And I let her little kitty lungs be, you know, hanging around with mold. It wasn't very good of me. It was a bad mommy. So... But later, after they had like pulled everything out, I was on the phone with my husband and I realized that there was a door in my walls. It was in between where my outside wall was and where the outside wall of the building was. It was an actual door with hardware still on it. It was old school outside door. It was cool. 
It was super cool. Like you could actually tell there was a space for a window, but there was no glass in it. And it was kind of like a, a really thick plastic instead of the glass. But it only covered part of the panel, though, because it was kind of like broken out, you know? It was so cool. It was so cool. Clearly, the building has changed over the last hundred years or so. And my unit must have been two units that were combined into one, you know, which makes sense because I have several different neighbors above me, you know, going the length of my place. So I even tried to open the door, but it didn't budge, which is probably a good thing because had it budged, I, I might have fucked up the building. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. It didn't open. It, it would have been a fine. Totally fine. Okay, I'm going to skip to something else really quick that ties into the door and go back. I promise this all totally ties in. So, but this next part is really what made me sit and think about the door and what it symbolizes for me. Beth gave me this book for Christmas called The Book of Awakening by Mark Nepo. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Maybe it's Nepo. I don't, I don't know. Does anybody know? Anyways, it's about the author's journey to be more present. And the book's been around for 20 plus years. I think Oprah did something with it. You know, it's it's a great book. Each day there is something to read and then some meditation prompts to, to work through. So around the time that the door was discovered, the daily reading was called A Set of Inner Doors. For that day, Mr. Nepo wrote, there exists for each life on earth a set of inner doors that no one can go through for us. He talked about the fact that a person can do many things and become a great member of society, being noble, charitable, etc., over many years, but that when we are done, the last threshold we don't cross within will be there waiting. So the core issues that we avoid will be presented by the universe again and again and again and again. Like and until we figure it out, we're kind of screwed, right? So Mr. Nepo put it this way. Perhaps the oldest working truth of self-discovery is that the only way out is through. Okay, that really got me thinking, what door am I not walking through? Like what does the universe want me to see right now? Wants me to see so badly that the foundation of my house was exposed. Like, and that actually makes me think of the Pesh Mode song, Straight. The lyrics go something like this. Let me see you stripped down to the bone. I totally felt that, right? My home, my sanctuary, where I spend 75% of my time was wiped out. So what's my core? Like, I mean, there's no way the universe is going to let me get around this shit now. <laughs> no way. For fuck's sake, I found a hidden door and it's my name. Like, come on. Like, what? Like... <laughs> Here I am thinking I'm in touch with my shit, but apparently, apparently I'm not. I needed to be smacked in the face, like hard, bringing tears to my eyes again and again. What the actual fuck? Like, what the fuck? I cannot make this shit up. It's just so weird to me. But okay, okay, sorry. I was, I was getting very, very excited there. So then, logically, what's my core? I mean, how do I even answer that question? Like, I guess I could start with, like, how do I define myself? Usually when somebody's asked, who they are, they answer with how they identify themselves, right? And how they fit into society. So for instance, I'd be like, hi, I'm Kylie. I'm a Chicago girl who blah, blah, I don't know, who works in a finance company. I'm a stepmom to some great kids. I'm the best auntie this side of the planet. I'm a good friend. I'm a goofball. I'm a loving daughter. You get the idea, right? But why was the first thing I said work? Remember the room that was destroyed was my office. 
where I spend a lot of my time. When ingredients are listed on a package, isn't the first ingredient the one that corresponds to the highest percentage in the product? Does this mean that work makes up more of who I am than anything else? Or could it be that too much of my time is being taken up by work? Like on the flip side, that could be the flip side, right? Like this kind of makes sense. Like I've been known to have some balance issues when it comes to this, not gonna lie. Granted, during my divorce, 10 hour days were a good distraction for me, but it's really hard for me to turn that off. I mean, I'm Gen X for Vox's sake. I know I'm replaceable. So I work my ass off to provide value, right? I mean, hell, I get value knowing that I'm needed, but I'm so much more than that. I'm starting to think that the universe agrees. But is the universe that obvious though? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd like to start answering that question with something else, but I'm not sure what else that would be yet. Huh. Okay, so that leads me right into the next core issue. What am I worth? Like, what is my time worth? This is also a hard one for me to answer. Although one side of my upbringing told me I could do anything I set my mind to, the other side cut me down a lot. Which one of those sides do you think really won? It's taken a lot of hard work to focus on the positive stuff. Even though I'm generally an upbeat, optimistic person, it still takes work. It still took some work. It's taking work, you know? So then what am I worth? It's odd to me that when I think of my answer like my answer goes something like this I'm worth more than my unhappy marriage or I'm worth more than my abusive childhood clearly to me it's a more than less than scenario in my head and I try so hard not to compare myself to other people then again I'm not really comparing myself to people in those comparisons I'm kind of comparing myself to different periods of my life right there are things not people that I'm comparing myself to I don't know Along those lines, I can say I'm worth more than all of the negative shit that I've endured in my past. I'm probably worth more than I even know. I'm definitely worth finding more balance. I guess score one for the universe and uh, maybe me because now I know that. Yeah, maybe me too. You know, I'm not going to stop there, right? Like I'm going to keep going with this. I'm getting kind of good at these core issues. The next logical question for me is to look at how do I accept love? Is accept the word that I want to use here? Like that's how many people say it. So I guess I'll use it. Obviously, this question makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm thinking about semantics instead of answering the question. Yeah, because that's a good use of my time. I don't know how to answer this question, though. You know, I was raised to barter. I'll do something for you if you do something for me. So I thought love was conditional. And remember my healthy fear of abandonment? I thought love could be easily discarded. Like, I could be discarded. Huh. Didn't I just say that about work? That I know I'm replaceable? Oh, I guess I can be discarded at love and I could be discarded at work. Oh, shit. These feelings are really deep. Sorry, that was a little heavy. All right. If you'll indulge me, I would like to try to answer this question. What is my deepest core issue? My answer kind of has two parts. And in a shameless nod to my last episode, you can say that part of it's internal and you can say part of it's external. So internally, it's how I practice self-love, right? Again, shameless nod to the last episode. Definitely masturbation is a form of self-love. But for me, it's not the ultimate form of self-love. To me, the ultimate form is forgiveness. Like really, truly forgiving yourself for something that you did, which caused a lot of people you care about pain. To me, that's the ultimate act of self-love. And there's really only one thing that I need to honestly forgive myself for. And I know I've asked this question in other episodes. So when do I forgive myself for the divorce? I walked away from a family. Isn't that going directly against my core needs? I don't know. Well, I think I finally know the answer to these questions. I forgive myself now because there's nothing to actually forgive myself for. The word forgiveness implies that something wrong happens. But if I'm a learning being who is constantly evolving, 
Hey, sounds like I just defined myself. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I'm constantly evolving, constantly learning. Yeah, I'm totally cool with that definition, actually. So if I'm this being, then nothing wrong happened. My whole purpose is to continually grow into the person I'm supposed to be. I have no idea who that is yet at all, but I'm not going to stop trying to figure that part out, right? Isn't that what I did? Like, I sought out the experience of being married. I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I thought that's what I wanted to do and what I needed to to do. And there was nothing wrong with me giving it a shot. And then there's nothing wrong with me later saying this is no longer working for me. Do you guys know Heidi Stevens? She's a writer who wrote a column that was in the Trib for a very long time. She's also mom to one of my stepson's buddies like they're tight she's cool her kids are cool her husband's cool she's she's really good people you should check out her column it's it's great anyways she once wrote a piece that was about a conversation she had with her son about Andrew Luck retiring like I'm pretty sure it was Andrew Luck he's the one that was with the Colts right okay I don't know if I still have a copy of that column but I read it a lot and if I'm remembering correctly the end thought was that Andrew Luck absolutely had the right to say that football wasn't working for him anymore like even if his his decision was disappointing other people he still had that right and no one could take that right away from him it was kind of my mantra during my divorce I kept going back to that column again and again and I absolutely had the right to say this is no longer working for me and no one had the right to tell me otherwise it's something I had to learn for my own growth right so nothing to forgive and all of those things I said to myself to keep myself feeling like shit about it all the guilt I poured all over myself was complete bullshit like the kids aren't worse off. I still have a relationship with them and they still have parents and family who love them, including me and, and all of my family. That hasn't changed. My ex isn't any worse off. Like he's doing fine and is where the universe thinks he's supposed to be right now. I'm not any worse off, although some days are bad, you know, but some days are great. I'm also where the universe thinks I should be. I'm continuing on my path, right? So there is nothing to forgive. Externally, how do I accept love from the outside world? I'm sure I've touched on this before and I'm sure you've picked up on this, but I'm a little hyper independent. <laughs> oh my God, no way. So I'm used to doing it all myself, pushing myself to utter exhaustion at times. Don't ask for help, even when I clearly need it. Yada, yada, yada. All of those great trauma responses that we know and love around here. But this time, the universe was like, here, have a major event that you cannot even fathom taking care of solo. Let's see what you're made of, Kylie. And I can do a lot of shit solo. I mean, I honestly believe that I am smart enough, perhaps foolish enough, definitely capable enough to fix stuff myself. I really do. But this was something that was so far outside of my scope that doing it myself wasn't even an option. Like I had to rely on family, friends, strangers so much more than normal. And it's forced me way outside of my comfort zone. <laughs> And there wasn't any hemming or hawing about it. I had to ask for help within minutes of the water coming in. And I've had to ask for help the whole time. Like, I'm still asking people for help. I mean, two weeks ago, the floor guys told me that they couldn't continue to work in the front. I'm changing all the wood floors so that I don't have a bunch of different types of floors. Anyways, they couldn't continue the work. And I needed to bring in a concrete crew to pour a new subfloor. I was like, what? What? 
First, I made Guillermo, sexy AF, head of the floor crew. I made him explain to me exactly what he was saying because my brain couldn't comprehend someone saying to me that I needed a concrete crew. Second, I looked him dead in the face and I said to him, I'm going to start to cry right now. And I started crying that very minute. The next thing I did, I called Jose to ask for our building concrete guy's name. And then I called my brother-in-law Ian for help. Like since he works with concrete, I put him on speaker and I told him what I needed. I even asked Ian when he came to check it out if he could teach Beth and I how to do it ourselves. Like, I seriously asked if that was an option. I was like, well, they do it on TV. How hard could it be? Plus, it would have made a great Fixer Up episode, right? And then wait, get this. When I asked if Ian could teach Beth and I how to do it, he actually said to me that he's never poured concrete. (laughs) As a standalone statement, you're thinking, okay, a lot of people haven't poured concrete before. No big deal, right? But here's the thing. For 20 years and for countless Sunday dinners, he's talked about pouring concrete. He's talked about the floors they're working on, when they can pour, when they can't pour. Like, I know he's an engineer, but he works with concrete. So when he said he's never poured concrete, I think I just looked at him and was like, what do you mean if you don't pour concrete? This is all you talk about at Sunday dinner. Like, if this isn't what you do, what the fuck do you do? It's so funny to me. I'm still totally cracking up. I even mentioned it to Nana and she couldn't believe it either. (laughs) She and my dad were cracking up about it too. Like, I really thought he poured concrete. Anyways, I digress. I've had to ask for help every step of the way this time. From the littlest things, from using Jose's dryer to help me clean all the towels afterwards that I used to soak up the water, to the biggest things, like getting a concrete crew so I can get concrete poured in my place. Ian was able to hook me up with someone, though, who was able to bring in a crew of four guys and pour about two inches of concrete. They were here four days later after I found out, and they were able to do it all in one day. I had a cement mixer truck behind my place in the alley. It was pretty cool. So the reconstruction will hopefully, fingers crossed, be done in a couple more weeks. And again, I'm still needing to ask for help with things. The universe is really showing me that I'm surrounded by people who are willing to help me. The challenge for me is that I have to accept that help, right? But the universe is also showing me that by accepting the help, I'm actually taking better care of myself. Like I'm saying this is beyond me. I cannot do this alone and I need help. And I'm neither a rock nor an island. And surprisingly enough, as I alluded to earlier, it hasn't been too hard for me to ask for this help. So can't I just sub in the word love for help? Love is all around me. I've got to see it. I've got to recognize it for what it is. I have to be willing to be vulnerable in front of it. And for me, that's by asking for help. And I have to be open to it. Okay, universe, I'm paying attention and actively taking your points. And yes, I got the temperance card the other day. Building greatness, knowledge, understanding, it takes time. I totally feel that universe. And I know that it's going to turn out better than I could ever have imagined as long as I'm open to it. Thank you so much for listening to episode 27 of Fixer Up. I know this one was a little heavy. Thank you for helping me go through my inner slash hidden door to figure out who I am and who I'm becoming and to remind myself how far I've come. I sincerely hope that you take a deep dive to find your own hidden door and maybe open it to see what's back there. If you're not able to open it right now, that's okay. Don't beat yourself up about it. Remember, I don't think I would have been able to handle my flood two years ago. The universe will show you your door when you're able to deal with it. And hopefully, fingers crossed, you'll be able to go through. If you like this episode, please hit the thumbs up, subscribe, tell your friends. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my socials are mkylied, 
Email is fixherup01 at gmail.com. Voicemail is 773-236-1112. And my website is www.fixherup.net. If you're interested in seeing some pics from the flood, especially uh, the floor and the new concrete, I put them onto my website. They'll be up for a little bit. On the concrete before they laid the new floor, I put stickers in the southeast corner of the space, which is something that you do for good luck. So I put stickers in the podcast and now it's literally in the foundation, which I think is so cool, you know, because it's... I'm working on my core and this is helping me work on my core. So thank you for that. Anyways, so the, the pictures will be on my website for a little bit. So I hope you check them out. All right. Thanks again, Peach. We'll see you in a couple of weeks.